This is a familiar sounding melody. It's from Joseph Lindsley in Ukraine. Joe, tell us what we're hearing. Bob, good afternoon from Kiev. Uh, Ten years ago this week, Ukraine, Ukrainian people were standing in the squares of Kiev and cities throughout the country. And this is what they, they stood there throughout the entire winter until on February 21st, 22nd, the pro-Putin regime fled uh, to Russia. And what we're listening to right now is from really the beginning of what became known as the Revolution of Dignity or the Maidan Revolution. Uh, tens of thousands of people uh, in, in 2013, October, November 2013, began to gather on the main squares, uh, especially the main square, the Maidan of Kiev. And here, it was November 29th, 2013, tens of thousands of people singing their own version, a Ukrainian version of Beethoven's Ode to Joy. And Ode to Joy has become the, really, it, it is the official anthem of Europe. And at that moment in 2013 to 2014, Ukrainians saw that the regime in power was trying to pull the country more into the orbit of Moscow and Russia, which is exactly what, you know, they, in 1991, when the Soviet Union collapsed, uh, they thought they were free of it. And they, 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 they saw this was their chance to stand for freedom. And the, the next day after these people were gathered singing, the secret police at the time, uh, which was an apparatus of, of the uh, pro-Putin regime, began to attack people uh, in the main square in Maidan, not far from where I'm talking to you uh, right now. Uh, and the, the police brutally attacked people. Uh, soon they'd start to kill some of the protesters. And I was talking yesterday with a friend who was there uh, on this day when we, heard, we can hear the singing and then the following day. And my friend said that almost everyone there realized at that point if they stayed in that square, if they refused to leave, no matter what, the regime would fall. The Yanukovych would flee to Russia. But they also all f- felt this, this, this sort of scary sense that uh, they might get some freedom for a few years, but that war with Russia would be, would, would be in- inevitable. They knew that, it, you know, that they could stand up to that regime in Moscow. Uh, they, they could stand up to the Moscow regime in Kiev, but that Russia would never forget that. And, and that war would begin. And as you, as you, if you can watch this video, for example, on YouTube, you can see all different ages, uh, men and women, young and old, singing with such joy uh, there on November 29th, 2013. Uh, by February of 2014, Ukraine would have its freedom. But within weeks, Putin moved to take Crimea. And there was a long, sort of slow, oftentimes quiet war uh, for eight years until now, this full-scale invasion. And... As I look at those Ukrainians who were there in the, in the square in those days, and as I think of everyone around me now, you know, we've had so many tributes to uh, Navalny, to the Russian dissident, uh, over the weekend. And, uh, you know, he was very brave. He, he was, you know, he came back to Russia knowing what he was going to face. Uh, I read a, a glowing tribute to him from uh, Barry Weiss, an American journalist. Uh, she edits a website, The Free Press. She used to be at the New York Times. And... It struck me when I read so many tributes to Navalny, they do not mention anything about Ukraine or Ukrainians. And it's extraordinary because Navalny stands out in Russia because he was an extremely rare dissident. And even then, he was not extremely critical of Putin's policies in Ukraine. Uh, he, He was, by all accounts, still a Russian nationalist, but he was an extremely rare voice, whereas Ukraine is a nation of Navalny's. Ukraine is a nation of, you know, going back to 2013, 2014, 
they said, we don't want to be part of this. Uh, and, and that's what they're continuing to do every day now for two years. And because because there's not just one or two dissidents here, I think it's harder for the world to to see. You know, there, there's not some one superhero that everyone looks to hmm. uh, like Navalny because it's the entire nation. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, a nation of Navalny's. And uh, this will interest you, uh, Joseph, an email from one of our listeners. A couple of nights ago, Matt Damon appeared on Stephen Colbert to promote his new documentary, Kiss the Future. It's the story of how the people of Sarajevo used music to strengthen their resolve during the invasion. Sounds like what Joseph tells us the Ukrainians are doing. Maybe through your connections, you can let Matt Damon know about Joseph's stories and that what the people of Sarajevo did, the people of Ukraine are doing today. Thank you for bringing Joseph's reports to us. Keep up the good work. Fondly, Linda. Interesting, huh? Linda, thanks for that. I, I was unaware of that. And, you know, here's where, I mean, it's great that they're telling that story of Sarajevo, but we are in this clear and present danger right now where, you know, and support is, you know, we're starting to lose. Ukraine is starting to lose support uh, as we look, you know, in many places in the U.S. And, and it would, you know, the people, the great storytellers, the people with the power of Hollywood, you know, they don't even have to write the story. It's, it's around them here every day, and yet still it's ignored. It's almost like, you know, like people would want to talk about anything else besides what's happening here right now, uh, which is sort of puzzling. But perhaps uh, looking into the story of, uh, of Sarajevo would inspire people to, 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 to look here at, at Ukraine and, and not, miss, uh, not miss this moment. I mean, many European countries are starting to realize that this could get more, worse than anyone could imagine. In fact, the small kingdom of Denmark announced a couple of days ago that they're going to give all of their artillery to Ukraine because they realize if you give it to Ukraine, you can keep the war away from, from their country in Europe. And uh, so some countries in Europe are realizing this. But meanwhile, it's, it's you know, it, 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 of course, far away in America. It's a different story. And uh, Bob, I don't know if you wanted to share. I, I, your producer sent me the uh, feedback from someone critical of my comments about President Biden last week. I don't mm-hmm. know if you wanted to discuss that or not, but um, there, um, I made comments about, you know, the White House's policy on Ukraine and how President Biden was talking about uh, Super Bowl, you know, at the Super Bowl, they had a video from the White House talking about ice cream. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I, and the, 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 the listener was upset. You know, it's, they thought I was being a bit disrespectful and unfair. And here's a, a, a tricky thing is that, you know, Ukraine cannot criticize Washington at all, right? Because they, they need every bit of support they can get. Uh, but the it's clear after two years that uh, the, you know, the, the White House, I mean, even if you look at the words of National uh, Security Advisor Jake Sullivan, he had, a, for example, uh, a story in uh, Foreign Affairs uh, the last November. Uh, he continues to use the word defensive and never offensive. Uh, and so there, there really, there's no interest after two years in giving Ukraine what they need to go in the offensive to stop Russia from the United States. There is uh, among, you know, for example, in London, the, the, the British government has given Ukraine weapons and given them permission to go on the offensive. Uh, Washington has not done that. And this, uh, the Russians know very well that, uh, the, that Ukrainians can't criticize Washington at all. And, and then, you know, you have the usual political operatives. So, uh, you know, R- Republicans, sort of MAGA operatives are are sort of try, trying to convince Americans that the, the Biden administration is giving too much money to Ukraine, which is not true. I mean, they're actually trying to they're, they're being inaccurate about what the Biden administration is actually doing and claiming that it's much more money coming here 
and that it's being lost or stolen when most of that money is actually being invested in American defense industry. And then on the other hand, the the hardcore partisans of, of the president are trying to convince and, you know, anyone, if, if you criticize the White House, you, you might as well be a Trumpist. And, and the Russians, I think, love this because if you as long as we can't have a real discussion in between the polar opposites, uh, we'll never be able to sort of really focus in a, in, and figure out a solution here. And I think as I, as I thought about it, I mean, I think Putin, in many ways, is scaring the Democrats. You know, they're, they're afraid of Russia's red lines. They want to, in their hearts, help Ukraine. Uh, but they, 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 in practice, they, they won't send the weapons. They won't send weapons they think will anger Putin too much. And meanwhile, Putin's also fooling the Republicans. He's convincing the Republicans that Ukraine is the opposite of what it is. I mean, Ukraine is this nation of faith, family, freedom, and Republicans think the opposite. And so Putin is playing this extremely well. And by the way, in that uh, Super Bowl spot that uh, President Biden made, sitting next, he was, he was talking about, instead of the great wars that are engulfing the world, he was talking about how the sizes of snack containers are getting bigger, but the snacks within are, are, are getting smaller. <laughs> this is what the President of the United States chose to make a big issue. And very tellingly, right next to him in this video that was on TikTok, was a package of Oreos. And the company that makes Oreos, despite the White House's talk of sanctions, is continuing to do business in Russia. And so this shows, actually, in this dire and serious time, a great sense of frivolity and unseriousness about the threats we face. And so I think it's, you know, I'm going to report that while I'm here with missiles falling down around me. Yes, I, I wanted you to see that uh, email. For the record, we do get uh, 10 positive comments, texts, and messages about you for every one uh, that is negative. But but it does reflect the debate going on here, and I'm sure you can understand that, uh, Joseph. And we, we hope that uh, Ukrainians can prevail and sing Ode to Joy when peace comes and democracy prevails. Indeed, Bob. And uh, until tomorrow, it's, it, this is, we need to have this healthy debate and criticism, and that is the, that's, what's, that's what they're fighting for here. That's, that's right. the nature of freedom. So, yeah, the ability to do Thank that. You, Bob. Yes, sir. Thank you, Joe. We'll talk to you tomorrow.